Hello and welcome to Inside Jobs, the podcast for and about creative leaders, brought to you in association with IHAF, the forum for in-house agency professionals, and Express KCS, the production agency who execute agencies' creative ideas quickly, across all media, on time, on brand, and offshore. Before we start today, I want to mention an e-book that landed in my inbox just a few weeks back called Five Hidden Truths Supercharging Today's In-House Agencies. It's written by Amsterdam-based Crave Lovelidge. It's a quick read, but you may come away with some new thoughts about how to get the best from your teams generally. It also names some very useful online tools that you might want to add into your day-to-day operation. We'll provide a link to download the book on the InsideJobsPodcast.org website. This episode, we meet Tara Dezeo from Oracle Data Cloud, who may even be a supplier to some listeners' brands. Tara is a shining example of someone who had absolutely no idea what career she wanted, but as water finds its own level, so she found her place in creative operations. She was passing through the UK last week, so I grabbed the chance and a microphone. Not a good one, as it turned out, and apologies for the intermittent crackling it produces. It really is me and not you. And I headed to London to meet her in person. And Tara told me that she started life in New Jersey, but at 13, the family upped sticks and moved to the West Coast. Uh, My dad was actually a pharmaceutical rep, and we moved to California when I was 13. A bit of a change from uh, New Jersey climate? Huge change, ended up being the best thing for me. I, you know, did all my high school and college in California, and then I landed... Are you keen to move from New Jersey, though? You know, at the time, I was not, because I was, like, 13, so you can imagine how a 13-year-old's mind and, and... all that is working. Um, but, you know, it gave me access to a lot of different options for university. Did you know what you wanted to be when you grew up? I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I knew that I wanted to go to UC Berkeley. That is the only thing that I wanted to do. Why? I just loved it. It was and, cool. Oh, it was amazing. It has a great name, may I say. <laughs> it does have a great name. <laughs> I mean, the moment my parents first took me there and I was 13, the moment I stepped on campus, I knew that that is where wow. I wanted to be. Okay, interesting. Yeah. All right. Yep. And so I didn't have um, any interests besides going to Berkeley. And playing rugby. I didn't know what I wanted to do for school. So playing rugby as well? Okay. Yep. Played rugby. At, you know, I was a liberal arts major. I didn't have a plan for my future. And I just sort of, you know, went through my degree and learned a lot. So and, but which degree did you choose, not knowing what you wanted to do? The easiest know, one to get into Berkeley with? I got, exactly. No, I got the m- most... Uh, Interesting, amazing, necessary, but totally unusable degree, which was in women's studies. Okay. Yeah, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And it just so happens that I graduated right after the tech bust. So I couldn't even get a job if I wanted couldn't to. Couldn't get arrested. No, yeah. could not. Yeah. So, uh, but the rugby thing was part of college for you as well? It was. And it gave me a great network of people and it taught me about... Um, being resilient, and it sort of sustained me through this really hard time of not being able to find a career path. So it sustained you, but how good were you at rugby? I was really aggressive and really driven, and I would do all the training, and so I felt like I was good. I was actually trying to try out for the U.S. national team, but I kind of blew it. Why? Uh, When I went to my tryout, I was just like having a terrible game, 
The trial was in Florida. It was humid. I was dying. And then the last 10 minutes of the game, I separated my shoulder. You separated or someone else separated? So, well, I was tackled by a, a very large, much larger person than me <laughs> and slammed. No doubt they were on steroids or something. I mean, I think that they were. So that was the end of the rugby career. Yeah. But that sounds like it did get pretty high-flying in the end. I yeah. Mean, rugby yeah. International. That's yeah, I mean, quite at least I went out with a bang. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, okay. So you went back to California uh, without without the sporting ambitions yep. anymore. They were already you'd already yep. turned your back on that, I guess, and realized that wasn't going to happen. Not going to happen. You had a degree in women's studies, yes, uh, which you were <laughs> trying to tout around. Yeah, no jobs for that. Okay, so what happened? So I ended up I was still playing rugby, sort of just for fun on the side, and I ended up moving to Seattle to join a team that was up there, and there were jobs. There were all kinds of jobs. So I. I got into the tech industry and I was doing network attached storage. Yeah. So I was managing partnerships. Did you know anything about networks, I, attachment I, no, or storage? I didn't even know that this was a thing. So so this is obviously there was no internet storage or anything like that because the internet wasn't so much a thing at the time. So. It was very, um, it was replacing tape. Yeah. So it was cloud-based, but it was... It was catching on and people were super into it because it was a new thing, okay. but it was taking a while to sort of penetrate. And, and your it, role here was what? Then it continued to be this liaison role? Yeah, I was like a channel marketing. Was it account management, really? It, it was kind of like that. I was a channel, channel marketing representative. And so I would help, you know, facilitate the operations and the marketing programs for these partners. Okay. Helping them out. And you, so you were really there to help the partners sell your product yes and it, do the champion you, for partners really right being their voice I yeah guess. absolutely so and were you enjoying this this job you know i loved that whole partnership aspect but the company culture was not a good fit for me um right. it was a very much uh the company was sort of i'm trying to be politically correct here but it wasn't very focused on empowering women um, there was not this, you know, push that we have now for equality in the workplace. Um, I think it's been a really slow progression for equality in the workplace, and we're still so far from where we need to be. And this was affecting you personally, or it was just a vibe that was around that you you didn't have a taste for? It was affecting me personally because I felt that it was just a glass ceiling that was really hard for me to through. So you could be twice as good as the guy to your right. Yeah, but it wouldn't help you at all. Right. And even my boss was amazing. Great guy. Um, but, you know, he was having similar problems mm. with advocating for, mm. you know, diversity. Mm. Um, and it just so happened that my mom was sick and she lived in California. And my wife and I decided that we were going to give the Bay Area a try again and see so um, come down from Seattle. Yeah. See if I could help my mom a little bit. And I ended up joining a startup, which was in the ad tech space. And ad tech is so progressive mm. in terms of, you know, creativity and individuality and innovation, really. I mean, in ad tech, you invent a product for one purpose and then it can be used in so many other yeah. ways. And yeah. I loved it. I was hooked immediately. So when was this ad tech? 
It was about 2013, 2014. Okay. So AdTech yeah. was pretty established as a it was as a concept back yes, then. Yes, absolutely. I yeah. had never had never even heard of it in the space that I was in. But when you came into it, what I'm what I'm saying was it it's an established. I mean, people were yes. ad exchanges existed oh, and absolutely. all that buy side demand side, all that was going on by that time. Oh, right? it was fully big. But you fully you were mature. oblivious to oblivious. all this. Oblivious, yeah. And and when I was looking for jobs, one of the functions of the network attack storage that we were selling is that it could move these like massive amounts of data. So I was just searching for jobs around data. And so I came across this company, which was a data provider essentially for B2B and it funneled me right into ad tech. So you were really trading on your experience as an account manager to get the job? Yeah. Yeah. And so I ended up doing that same thing. I was a partner manager for these other data providers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had some of the the large accounts that we were trying to build relationships with. Okay. So it's kind of a commercial role, but relationship role. Sort yeah. Of thing. Heavily relationship focused. OK. OK. So you so you came in there and uh, this opened your eyes to a, a whole yes. new world. Yes. Everything that I was learning and everyone I was meeting was just just amazing to me. My wife was seven months pregnant and the company I was working at was really small as a startup and we were acquired by a much larger company. And that company said, we're not going to sell data outside of our walls. And so everyone that's doing that needs to move on. So I was laid off right before my wife was about to give birth to us. Okay, great timing. (laughs) But fortunately, um, my biggest partner relationship, not knowing at all what happened, called me that week and said, hey, I have this role in my team, um, and I think you'd be great at it. And it was a content manager role. And the the partnership was Blue Kai, and Blue Kai had just been acquired by Oracle Data Cloud. And what had they seen in you? Because you were account managing up to that point. Yeah. And this is about content. So what did they see in you? I think the uh, hiring manager was just kind of impressed by my dedication to the industry and how much knowledge that I had acquired in such a short period of time. And just really, when you're in a partnership role like that, you get to hit every part of the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. You know, you touch publishers, you touch the app nexuses of the world, you touch... Uh, the data providers of the world. So it's, it was really a lot of exposure in a short amount of time. And I think she thought, hey, this person knows our business and is a great writer. So I'm going right. to bring her on board. Right. So your aim was to then be creating content for this particular company to help help them get attention on social media and, and on blogs and elsewhere. Yeah? Absolutely. Okay. So tell me about what happened from there. So within four months of being at the newly formed Oracle Data Cloud, we acquired Data Logics. Data Logics had a very established marketing team, and the marketing team at the newly formed Oracle Data Cloud was only three people. Okay. So we sort of we and you fitted into the yes to the to that marketing yeah. team as a content. Absolutely, okay. and we acquired them, but really from the marketing side, they they acquired us. Okay. So. Um, we had to support a much bigger business with way more people. And I started building a team out to support those needs. So where do you get the budget from for that? Well, um, you know, the con- our content team operates on a very small budget, I have okay. to say. Yeah. 
But um, if you're to build out a team, if you're to sign one person, I mean, in a large company, that's yeah. not an easy thing to do. So the, the cool, ha, ha, you had to sell this to somebody? or Yeah, the cool thing about acquisitions is that they're sometimes duplicative roles yeah. and you get people that are interested in moving to other roles. So we were okay. able to say, okay, this person's doing this over here. That fits in with what I'm doing. I wonder if they'd be interested in doing this. Got it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Top tip for anyone. Uh, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> being a quad or and a quad. any marketer knows that as a marketer you wear many hats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different capabilities of people in various roles. Right. Right. So, so then you were were you put in charge of this whole new sort of pulling together of two teams? No, but. Um, my manager kind of said, hey, I really need someone that's going to make this a priority, make it more strategic. And she sort of built out an organization, not just for content, but demand gen and events that was much stronger than what we had originally had. So the focus was we're going to take all of our best talent and put them in the right roles and make sure that we have a great marketing team. Okay, all right. So does that bring us more or less to the present day then, Oracle Data Cloud, or were there stages yes. before? Okay, so well, where the, are we? So, the, there are way more acquisitions. Of so, course, yeah. You know, we yeah. acquired Grapeshot and Addis and Moat and Crosswise. Okay. And that brings us to where we are today. And so they all have their separate marketing teams, or were they can, were we, they brought together? Or? Yeah, we had some separate marketing teams that we brought into the fold. Uh-huh. Uh, we brought people into the fold. Like so, drops of mercury, it's sort of yeah, all coming together. Totally. Right? And we sort we sort of got the best of these. Um, I mean, all the companies were pioneering great companies, so yeah. we were lucky that we got these great. Yeah. Yeah, Folk. and a and a lot of kind of enterprising spirit along the way, and Absolutely. can do, and and all that. So so now bring us to the present day. So what what are we looking at with with the Oracle Data Cloud? Um, there are associated businesses. It's quite a complicated setup, but try and explain it to me. Yeah, so we're a business unit within larger Oracle, but we have a very specific audience, and that's the advertiser. Um, so in we, fact, some of the listeners to this podcast yes. might actually also be potential customers. That's right. Of your services. That's okay. right. And we also have um, partnerships with the walled gardens of the world and all kinds of technologies throughout okay. the ecosystem. Okay. So your aim is to help brands through social advertising or through through internet digital advertising reach uh, uh, target audiences uh, with the right message. Yes. We're trying to help advertisers reach audiences that are relevant to their business and in safe environments. Yeah, there's a hygiene approach to this as well, right? Keep your brand safe Yeah, yeah. because it's a crazy world out there on the internet and then measure the results. So who's seeing your ad? Is it a real person? Um, You know, how long have they interacted with your ad? So your role then is to market that. Your your people to whom you're marketing are marketers. They're marketers. Oh, And they're savvy. Yeah, so you can't you can't bullshit them, or can you? I don't know. You can't. They'll call you immediately <laughs> on it if you try to. Okay, so tell me how that uh, affects what you do. There. Well, actually, before you do that, just describe the the marketing operation that you you've got yes. there now to Oracle Data Cloud. Just give us some context. Yes. What, what you've got. And... Well, because our audience is very specific, we um, Oracle Corporate has been wonderful about letting us kind of take the reins on. How we go to market with our uh, marketing, and this materials. is Larry Ellison as well, right? He's yeah, you he, know 
I'm I'm personal friends with him. Personal no. friends with Larry. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You were talking to him on his boat just <laughs> the other right, day. That's yeah, right. I'm sure. So essentially, we had these outside agencies that we were working with, small boutique agencies, and it was my job to manage those relationships with them. And we just were not getting what we needed from those agencies. I think one in, of in terms of what I think one of the chief concerns was that they didn't understand our business. And, and these are creative agencies you're talking about? They were design firms with high capabilities, but they weren't an agency that you think of in the world of like a WPP or JWT. Okay, so not strategic agency, not they're more strategic, tactical. Yes. And, uh, okay, so go on. You were saying they didn't really, or one of them didn't really understand your business. Yeah, there was no, um, you know, getting your hands into the mix to really figure out what we do and what would make sense from a creative perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we just knew that inherently if we built something internal, we would under, you know, the challenges and the opportunities would be understood so much better. So, so to build an in-house agency was a decision that was obvious from within. You didn't need to go out and see which way the wind's blowing in the market no, as a whole. No. It was very obvious that yeah. if you, you, you needed to understand your market, the only people who really understood your market were yourselves. Exactly. Was there, would there be a way for an external agency to get as under the skin of the market as you were? Would, I would, do we... think that there would have been a way. You know, we we still have to have these external agencies because the, the sheer volume of the work that we do is so high. And at the time, I think we said, we're going to get a designer and see how it goes and see if this is something, you know, that works. And immediately the quality of the work was just through the roof. Mm. Because mm. we invested the money and the time mm. to get a senior person who knew our business and could see the trends and was really on top of things. So it wasn't a cost thing for you. You weren't you weren't squeezed on costs, and that's why you did it. It really was get to get the quality. Oh that you yeah, needed. oh yeah. And mm. you know, I mean, obviously, any business mind will tell you this. Once we brought in our own talent. We obviously started reducing the volume that we use the external agencies for mm -hmm. from a cost mm -hmm. perspective, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it was not financially motivated the decision at all. Mm. Okay. All right. Interesting. So did you have a model to build this from after this first designer and where, where did you go and, and how did you, how did you frame this? How, what frame reference did you use yeah, to, to define we, where you were going? We kind of felt our way through the dark a little bit. Did um, you know you were on a journey even, or did you just take it one day at a time? Just took it one day at a time. And then we started to realize pretty quickly that if we brought um, the right talent in that we could bump up the quality even more. So we started staffing up our content team and really staffing up the design side. We brought in an art director and them working together. That marriage started producing awesome work. Wow. OK, so you, this is work in response directly to marketing and marketing requests. Yes, from inside our organization. And were you mandated by the marketers or could they come to you for ideas or they could go externally and spend their money where they wanted? So they can't they they can't really spend their money where they want. And I think that's more of a corporate thing. You yep. know, mm -hmm. Oracle has very specific partners and very specific reasons for working okay. you know, with people. So But there are externals they could go to. Yes. For so sure. they have a choice. Yes, absolutely. And one of the things that we did, which was an interesting experience, is that we brought in a project management software because the volume of requests were becoming so large mm -hmm. that the Excel spreadsheet was no longer viable yep. 
And so we even brought marketing ops in to build this out and then created a whole operations process around our creative. Right. Okay. So from where you are now, what challenges generally are you are you facing? Well, I think the main challenge and what my role mostly is, is bridging the gap between the business side of the house and the creative side of the house. Anyone that's ever managed creatives knows that, you know, the most, most of the time you have people that are highly creative, highly specialized and experts in their field. And then you have the business side of people that don't always jive they don't always jive together you know we have creative is so subjective and it's almost like in an when you have an external agency they come to the client and they they pitch it and they sell it it's not quite like that in an in-house environment right you iterate together you collaborate together with your own team your own team is your client so i think keeping that gap between the business side and the creative side harmonious is crucial okay so you're kind of a gearbox is that the right word yeah Touch? What's yeah the, what's the, i'm not Clutch. very technical yeah Clutch. there yeah. you go yeah. so clearly everything you've said about your career from when you stopped being a team player in rugby was to be uh, an in-between a, a liaison a, yes you know relationship person right? relationship huge and you are perceiving your role here at oracle data cloud primarily it appears as someone who facilitates relationships yes a facilitator really, absolutely I in some ways. um how big a marketing team are you interfacing with how many people could be lobbing out work to you or yeah to so wanting to talk to you we have about 30 okay um but what ends up happening is our go-to-market teams work with our brand marketing team to identify the highest priority needs from a marketing standpoint and so then they put in requests, but we're looking at hundreds of requests mm -hmm. coming through from copywriting to video production to digital advertising, blog posts, and the needs come from everywhere and the needs are very diverse. And you have account, you have account managers facing them or do you have project managers or what? How, how it's does that... really the brand marketers that interface directly with our go-to-market folks. So, okay. you know, we sort of separate things by ecosystem where you have some people that are working on, you know, content for publishers or some people who are working on content for brands, or maybe we have people who are working on content for walled gardens. So you have subject matter experts that need to activate. But their... you must have campaigns that require a bunch of these, a team of people. Absolutely. And, and so you don't put a producer in front of that. You will build a team tactically based on the need of that campaign yes. so we huh. we actually put our we have creative project managers that do do that okay and then we actually put our marketing um our brand marketers in the role of managing their campaigns we put brand we put the brand marketers in the roles of managing their campaigns okay it helps because they get so involved in the brief and they have a stake in getting the brief right. And yes. Clear. And ha really having this stay on a timeline. Yeah. And so we do have that project manager that they partner with to yeah. make sure that, you know, everything gets through the system and whatnot. But they really are the ones that have the stake in Brilliant. whether or not this interesting is idea and quite yeah. radical. I yeah. have to say, I, I, I know I've spoken to a few other people that that uh, it's not they don't believe in account management, but they don't have account management. And yeah, uh, yeah this is a great example of that. And 
we all collaborated to create this process. So it wasn't just me designing a process and saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. Right. It was me getting with brand marketing, demand gen, events, sitting down and saying, how does the, a campaign process have to work from start to finish? Yeah. Yeah. And we built this out. It took us six months. We worked together. Sometimes it was hard. Most of the time it was great. And we got through it. What and, a great experience. It. Yeah. Do you have SLAs? We do have SLAs. As a matter of fact, we're getting to the point now where we're about to publish them externally, which is scary. Oh, that's one thing to have SLAs that you keep to yourself and not tell anyone about. It's quite another thing to share them, I can tell you. I know. I'm scared. Well, that's fascinating insight into the agency at Oracle Data Cloud. Um, Now, if people want to get hold of you directly, what's the best way to do that? So you can go to our website, which is www.oracledatacloud.com. That's to see the product. Yes. And if you want to get in touch with me, my email address is Tara, T-A-R-A dot Dezeo, D-E-Z-A-O at oracle.com. Okay. And you're on LinkedIn? And, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, big I'm social a- media user, are you? Uh, Not so in- much. Instagram. I like to share <laughs> pictures of my kid and my dog. That's there about it. <laughs> Tara, thanks so much for for joining us on the Inside Jobs podcast. Really appreciate your time. And thanks for hosting me here in London. Thanks, Robert. It was awesome. Thanks to Tara DeZeo for taking part in Inside Jobs, but also Emily Foster of IHAF and my producer, Pratik Shravastava, for making all these things happen. Also, the Express KCS crew for handling the podcast editing, the website at insidejobspodcast.org, and also dealing with that crackly mic. If you do enjoy this podcast, and I'm assuming you do if you're still listening, then do please do yourself and me a favour and recommend us to a friend. Or, if you get the chance, just take a second to post a comment and review to iTunes. It really helps other people discover this fount of information about in-house agencies. Also, you can, don't forget, find all the previous episodes uh, that we've recorded listed on insidejobspodcast.org and there you can also sign up to our exclusive listeners-only email. See you next time.